This is Frank from Terminal Talk. Before we get started, we just want to let you know that we're doing this episode from Share. It's recorded at Share, and it may not be the highest quality audio. Yeah, we didn't feel like dragging the whole uh, Terminal Talk studio out to uh, where were we? St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah, we did it with a, a tabletop mic and uh, a little bit of editing. You know, it's better than most, but still not up to our high standards. Not what you normally expect. Right. But we thought that hearing these people was way more important than trying to figure out how to drag them to Poughkeepsie. Right. Yep. Uh, also, we uh, have a sponsor now, so we'll do a quick little plug for them, right? Moving on up. <laughs> so uh, being in Poughkeepsie, you know, we get to talk to some really cool people. Uh, and and we think that's a really important part of why you would listen to us. Uh, but But you actually have an opportunity to talk to them as well. Yeah, there's this uh, great new thing called Expert Advice for Z. You go to ibm.biz slash Z underscore consult, C-O-N-S-U-L-T. Uh, it's real easy. You, just, you go to this website, you fill out a form saying, hey, here's the thing I'm working on. I'm, I'm kind of stuck on this thing, and uh, I'm tired of spinning my wheels on it. And we'll, they'll put you in touch with an expert in that field or that product or that discipline or whatever. Uh, it's not a replacement for opening up a defect or IBM reps or anything like that. It's just something else, something different to help you out there. Yeah, and you're kind of talking to our kind of people, people like Anthony Sophia, Rosalind Radcliffe, or, or one of the other people that you heard on our show. It's those kinds of people. So we, we think it's, you know, it's it's probably a, a good thing for you to check out. If you're stuck or want to just have a, a, a real technical conversation with one of our experts, it's an opportunity. Yep. Expert advice for Z ibm.biz slash z underscore consult. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And we are on location at Share in St. Louis. In the echoist room, echoiest room they have. Yeah. So um, this probably won't be quite as high a quality as you're used to, uh, but, you know, uh, it's way more important that we get important people like our next guest, uh, Terry Menendez, who's the STSM for VSAM. And uh, I'd like to start by asking Terry, what the heck is VSAM? <laughs> oh, God, you're asking me? <laughs> <laughs> well, boy, I mean, VSAM actually even predates my, you know, employment in, in the computer industry, but... Um, I think it's almost it's it's over forty years old now, but it stands for virtual storage access method, and it consists of a set of files and then a set of like utilities in order to you know create these files, delete these files, uh, and some APIs to you know read and write to the files. So it's like a database. So it has its own set of APIs, um, and these. And like I mentioned, it has these different file types. Each one kind of starts out a little simpler, and then it becomes a little more complex, where, where vSAM is doing more and more and more for the user as the files get more complex. So when you start out in the simplest form, we call that a, a, a linear data set, and it's really just sort of like a, you know, we just divide the data set into these chunks called control intervals, and it's sort of like for the application architect can just make whatever they want out of these empty control intervals. Like it's like a it's like a uh, canvas, and you paint your picture into into these different 
sections of the data set and relate them in some manner. So it's all up to the application to manage all that space. So the application has to do a whole lot of work. But then as the files get um, more complex, vSAM starts picking up more of the responsibility for dividing it up and, and keeping track of where the actual data resides and inserting space, reclaiming space. So when you get to our most complex um, file, it's called a key sequence data set, which is the most popular data set out there, which probably, I mean, there were estimates that 70% of business data <laughs> is in a KSDS. <laughs> okay. Um, so so the, most of what people do then are using those key data sets. Don't a lot of the products that IBM puts out rely on vSAM as well? Yeah, so not, not only do kind of the applications that customers use, like banks, for example, are heavily dependent on key sequence data sets, but also just the operating system itself and the, and the components or products that make up the operating system also use uh, KSDSs. Like we have catalogs that keep track of where all the data sets are, and, and those are KSDSs. So, yeah, they're used pretty much everywhere <laughs> on our platform. I'm going I'm to ask what might be a stupid question, but I, I heard you use both words. So uh, a file and data set. Yeah. What is the distinction, distinction. that you draw between those two? Uh, okay, Hold you're on. right. Um, <laughs> users of other platforms, like, you know, when you use your PC, everything on there you refer to as a file, right? And so people kind of relate a collection of data as a file. And on ZOS, we, we normally call that a data set, you know, collection of data. And a file is something that you connect the data set to. So a file could have many data sets concatenated. So we sort of, you know, we're sort of taking it up a step when we say file. But a lot of times one file is allocates one data set. So sometimes you keep interchanging those words when they're technically they have two different meanings. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so the, the, that was a really important piece, right? Because we often use the terms interchangeably. Uh, mainframers tend to be a little bit loose in the specification, but it's really important in the vSAM case to be able to distinguish between the file, which is the full collection of information, and the data set or data sets that make that file up, right? Right, right. And that's really I mean, important. It, in a non-VSAM data set, um, you for sure can concatenate many data sets to one file. VSAM, you're not really allowed to concatenate VSAM files. However, a VSAM has something called a sphere, which is really a set of VSAM data sets that comprise a kind of a logical set of data. And so, you know, you could still use that file data set terminology there, but really the file and data set um, relationship is really more for non-VSAM on our platform. But okay. anyways. So um, <laughs> I, I just want to say that uh, in 
two minutes, you've cleared up the question that uh, I know a lot of people have been spending years trying to, <laughs> yeah, get trying to understand. So, uh, I see Jovanna nodding her head back there. Yeah. Oh, is that That's what it, it Okay, means. got it, got it. I've had, I've had, though, you know, old mainframers go, stop using the word data set. You know, it's a file. Well, not really. You know, a file really has a real meaning on our platform. So, anyways. <laughs> no, I think that's really important yeah. because – a lot of us have been very imprecise about it, and having somebody say, hey, this is my job, it's really this, <laughs> yeah. and this is why, is important. So um, one of the things that people use this for a lot is to ensure transactional integrity. Can you kind of describe that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, the VSAM, it's, well... VSAM itself doesn't provide that transactional capabilities, but that's built on top of using, you know, VSAM. Um, so we have transaction servers like CICS that would use VSAM, or we also have something called transactional VSAM, which use, you know, it's built on top of VSAM. And um, there's, um, again, APIs called commit or backout where you're able to, Make up uh, multiple updates and then commit them so that you have consistency, or you can back them out. So that's really more the job of the exploiter of vSAM to implement. But you know, vSAM is the one that's storing those records, and then you know the 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 images of that you're going to keep in order to to recover from might be stored in another kind of ESAM data set, like a linear data set, which is like a log. Mm -hmm. And so they're all working together to provide that kind of consistency that you're talking about. So again, this is back to the the whole preciseness of the way people talk, right? So a lot of us, when we talk about vSAM, we're, we're thinking about multiple data sets um, working together to yeah. solve to solve something, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, well, you could have, when you, like you're talking about this consistency, you could be updating different records within the same vSAM data set, and you want both of those updates to complete or you want them to back out. Or you could have had updates in two different data sets, and you want those both. So either way, um, vSAM is just the one that's kind of storing those those updates, but this exploiter of vSAM is the one that's, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to uh, tell, you know, when I'm going to commit these records and when I'm going to roll them back, and how do I do that? Where do I find that? So that's stu that's a structure that's built on top of vSAM. Okay. So imagine, if you will, hmm. uh, a program that I wrote. Uh, right. Oh, my God, it's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and this program is writing... Uh, Curse words out to the screen <laughs> repeatedly. In a loop. Yeah. <laughs> 10, print, but. <laughs> 20, go to 10. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was thinking writing to a, to a data set. Uh, maybe that's what it's writing, but to a data set. Um, does it lock that entire data set while I, while I write the records or... Or how do I how do I um, manage writing multiple records and and have different people writing multiple records well, at the same time? Okay, so if you were the the you know you're the programmer that's exploiting vSAM, 
and um, there's there's there are different um, different ways different ways to access a VSAM data set where VSAM will t- take on some of that locking characteristics. So we have something called record level sharing, which is a way to access VSAM, and it will um, depend depending on how you define the VSAM data set. You can say this is going to be a recoverable VSAM data set. And when you do that and you update a record, we will get a lock and we will hang on to that lock until you tell us with a commit type API that now you can release it. So you're, as the application architect, you're sort of directing vSAM on which records to lock, how long to hold them, and whether they're going to be logged or not is also sort of either vSAM's job as transactional vSAM or as an exploiter of vSAM, you might have to do the logging. So so if, if I were to do it myself, um, does that would that generally be faster or is it better for me to just leave that all to you? Um, to well, do? we, you know, we would, ex- you know, we would try to optimize all that and we would use the ZOS logger, which is another component that specializes in logging. You could, of course, call the logger yourself uh, or you could let us do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the logger um, product is the one that's trying to optimize that logging. So, I don't know if either one of us could do it faster, but you could you could use not use the logger and, and write your own kind of logging. Like there's a there's a lot of applications that use a non VSAM data set as their log and they have to deal with the performance characteristics of whatever type of data set that is. And is that better than the way the ZOS logger does it? You know, that those are kind of trade offs that would have to be measured. But the logger, you know, it specializes in, in logging. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why we call it that. That's right. right. <laughs> It'd be kind of weird if it didn't. Right. <laughs> well, let, let me ask a very uh, a Frank DiGelio type question here. Um, so vSAM has been around for, for 40 years. Uh, it pretty, must be pretty much done now, right? I mean, uh, what, do you, what, what do you do? Is that good? Yeah, you do that. Well. That's a, okay, very good question. What's, what's new in vSAM? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like, you know, um, kind of requirements have changed over the years like you know long time ago you didn't have um maybe um the availability of the application was maybe less (laughs) like you didn't have to support different time zones for example now maybe you're an international company and you have to support all these different time zones and the data set has to be you know available 24 by 7 so you know a long time ago we could get away with telling you you have to take the data set offline, you know, to reorg it, reclaim space. So, you know, those nowadays, you know, that's not acceptable. So we've had to enhance vSAM to kind of keep up with, you know, more recent demands. So that's and, – and then, you know, the scalability of it where, you know, there's um, – Back in the day, maybe not everybody had a credit card. Now everybody's got a credit card, right? So the number of, you know, uh, customers a particular company might have has grown. So the size of the data has grown. The performance requirements have changed. So we got to keep vSAM scaling. So we keep improving the serialization inside. So it's a it's a never ending, <laughs> never ending battle. And how does vSAM handle search? So, so, okay, so um, so as I was mentioning, we have these different types of vSAM data sets, and they each 
kind of get more structured or we or vSAM provides more functionality. Um, so the, the simpler ones, the application would have to figure out how to search for things. But when you get to the more complicated vSAM data set like the KSDS, um, we find those things for you. And we use an index structure. It's a B-tree, balanced B-tree structure for we're keeping, um, you tell us what, what particular key you want, and we look in our index, and that points us down to where in the actual data set we can find what you're looking for. So it's, it's sort of an indexing structure. So it sounds almost like a key value kind of environment. <laughs> yes, ex yes, it's very similar to that, exactly. <laughs> it's really, um, it's it's still got a little bit of structure to it in that, you know, you have to tell us where the key is in each record. Um, and, but then once you give us the key, then we go find you the value. Um, but, you know, that's kind of a... Uh, kind of at its simplest form, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a lot of this sounds um, kind of hard to program to. Is, is it really hard to? Well, like I say, it's been around for 40 years. So a lot of the APIs were, you know, kind of uh, oldie moldy <laughs> these days. They're not the old nice scripted forms that you see with the newer databases out there. And I think that's one of our challenges on our platform is to modernize the kind of front ends and then take advantage of this really highly scalable, highly available back end storage um, and then have, you know, the, the best solution. So I think we've got a, I think the probably the most important part is to have this good back end, right? Or, but, and then to add this nice, more usable front end is, is, I think it's easier to do. I think we just need to focus more on that. I think people would be uh, a lot more angry if the functionality went away than they would be happy <laughs> if uh, front-end functionality yeah. got added. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. You wouldn't have much without the back end, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, wow, it really is that goal, isn't it? It is. So, so, I feel like we're in a cave. <laughs> we're going to have to like uh, throw a comforter over us and do like a fort. <laughs> yeah, like a I was thinking that we should probably wrap our, our, us with that. Um, anyway. The, uh, I, want, I want a picture of Terminal Talk with Chad and, and you under a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> we might be able to make him do that. Um, so did you start uh, – college saying i want to be a file person <laughs> that's funny um yeah i mean you're well so you're so this is my story so i'm a big horse person okay and so i was, i like where this story's going <laughs> so far <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted to you know kind of compete internationally in riding and namely the name of the sport is dressage mm -hmm. where the horses kind of dance and i learned that from stephen colbert <laughs> so the goal was to get, you know, to get the kind of the highest paying job that could support my very expensive uh, hobby, hobby, you know, and then try to become, you know, because my, my family was a very big sports family and kind of, you know, we were we were sort of expected to, to do some kind of <laughs> achievement in sports. So I chose a dressage. So I was doing that. I, you know, kind of majored in mathematics, went to IBM, 
you know, had a nice job, had, you know, vacation that I could use to, to do my writing with. But as time went on, I got better at my job <laughs> than at writing. <laughs> and it sort of ended up sort of switching. And I'm like, you know, I kept going, God, this job, it keeps bothering me. But, you know, this, <laughs> I got to do this, uh, this VSAM thing. <laughs> so it kind of switched and I ended up being more of an expert in programming than I am in, in writing. <laughs> Have you done your whole career in VSAM? I started out as a systems programmer um, when I first joined the company. And, you know, I worked kind of like any of our our other customers work where we had we had 24 mainframes and they had 24 by 7 availability, you know, so I knew what it was like to be in the trenches and keeping the systems up. And Loading tapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I never was an operator. Okay. I got, I got to start right as a system programmer, which uh, is sort of cheating, you know. I thought that was kind of cheating. <laughs> Um, so I did that for about five years and then I moved into development and I was sort of building the systems for our development. And then I went into pure catalog. I went into catalog development, which is another one of our components. And then I was, you know, asked to join the VSAM team. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've been doing that for like 25 years yeah, or so. Yeah. yeah. I'm as long as I've known you, you've been doing it. So yeah, so a long, long, long time. time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's new? What, what's the next thing for for VSAM? Yeah, I mean, I think I've like pretty much enhanced it from a performance point of view. So I think it really is scaling. Like a KSDS, I think, is the most scalable data set on the system. I've added all this new locking capabilities. So. I, I'm going to kind of leave that alone for now, and I'm trying to look at some new ideas. And one of them is to take a KSDS, which has some structure, and try to remove that structure and make it very unstructured-like, which is what is becoming you know, much more, I guess you want to call it trendy these days, because data now comes in a lot of different forms. Back in the day when it was just financial companies and bank records and they had pretty you know well established structure to those records now you know you you for example i, I like to use this example like say you you were a website for a hotel and you're going to go make a hotel reservation and you know how the fields have little asterisks for required like you're required to put your name mm -hmm. and your address and some of the fields are not required they're like optional right like do you have a comment about what, your room or whatever? So, <laughs> so these days when you go fill out that website, some people will fill in only the required stuff, right? But then you get the, like the OCD guy who fills in every field, right? So now the records that are generated from these two different individuals look completely different. You got one record that has only the required stuff in it, and this other one is like 10 times longer because it has all the other optional stuff. And you're going to stick both of those records in the same data set. So, the, so there's really a very unstructured look to the data. And the, the data set needs to be able to accommodate that. And you don't want to force structure in the data set because then if you change those records, you have to change the data set. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to move VSAM, which was already sort of semi-structured, away from that. 
And so I call that VSAM DB, trying to be trendy here, like all the other DBs. Is it lowercase or uppercase? It's uppercase. Okay, uh-huh. all right. Mm-hmm. 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 That's different. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I think, you know, taking all the great characteristics of a KSDS, like I said, it's the most scalable data set, and then trying to remove some of that structure so that it kind of is in line with the new data, you know, coming from these websites like we just talked about. So it's a a good fit. And if you're an application architect, you want to pick the database that's the best fit. And if you go out there and read all those databases, you look very carefully at their characteristics because, you know, you know, those those the fine print where it says, "Oh, by the way, we don't reclaim any space." You know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of important. Yeah, it's kind of important. You're going to be taking that database offline at some point, and you don't want to, you know, be put in that position. So, you really have to read the fine print on all these different databases, and to make sure you're not, you know, going to back yourself into a corner. So, so with vSAMDB, it sounds like I'm going to have the ability to build databases like, say, a couch or, or Mongo kind of thing, right? Redis. Right. Yeah, right. It's a document store, just like what they do. But again, like you go read Mongo's fine print or couch, how it works, couch kind of an add to the end kind of concept, where the old records are just sort of obsolete. Like, you know, when do those get reclaimed? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to ask those kind of questions, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's... It's a, a, a place to put those same kind of documents, but it has different characteristics when it comes to inserting space, reclaiming space. Is is insert performance, you know, uh, going to scale? Um, is there good query performance? So you have to look at all those aspects of a database. And ideally, you want everything to be great, right? But there's always some trade-off somewhere, right? You know, if one database really specializes in queries, you know, and they throw all their thinking at just queries, maybe they will have the fastest way of querying. Right. <laughs> but right. insert performance might be a disaster. Right. And how do you query the data without getting it in there first? Right. <laughs> so kind of important. Yes. <laughs> so, in, in your uh, in your vSAM DB, have you been kind of benchmarking where you perform? Yeah, we just, you know, since it's pr- relatively new, we just started our first benchmarks, and we just finished them, like, last week. Cool. And, ben- you know, I have to say, benchmarking is a very difficult uh, process because <laughs> there's so many factors and so many, you know, considerations. So we, you know, um, so far have only had enough time to do an, an insert benchmark and a query benchmark, and we didn't do a lot of uh, alternate indexing in those. We just kind of did sort of the base uh, set of documents. And so, and we used only, um, you know, a small, what I would call from a, our platform's perspective, a small configuration, which was two, it was a Z14 processor that we partitioned into two LPARs with 16 processors each. And then we ran 32 threads, inserting or reading, and then we took data points um, along the way to show, you know, like, you know, you want to know how consistent your your performance is going to be, right? Like, you know, on Monday, is my performance going to look like this? And then by Friday, is it going to look like that, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to kind of know um, 
what that trend is going to look like. So that was kind of the goal of the benchmark to, to show that. And then how could you accommodate for some, you know, downturn yeah. in the performance? So you learn those things from, from these benchmarks and then you can convey those tips, <laughs> performance <laughs> tips to, to the users. Right. So we did, I think we, we showed, I mean, you know, with our platform, you can take 32 Z14s, link them together, and all insert into one data set, one, one KSDS. And I think it will scale <laughs> at mm. that level. And I've never seen anyone come close to setting up that kind of horsepower. But it's it's possible. We encourage all of our customers to try that, though, for their <laughs> 32 mainframes. Yep, get 32 Z14s and <laughs> yeah. link, hook them together. Uh, we'll pr see. Prove us wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Take your time. Um, so, yeah, so, and you do all that without dealing with sharding and stuff like that, right? Yeah, so we, in this particular benchmark, we went for one large, uh, one large data set. And, um, you know, do you want, like, and again, what, what, one of the things that we learn is that the bigger one data set is, the less the, it's going to perform. So it's really better to have multiple small data sets. Then you get more consistent performance. So, um, so you, so you can divide your own data sets up, but then you have to really understand from an application point of view, how you've divided it up. We often call that key ranging. Uh, or sharding is another term for it. So you have to know that, you know, keys A through D are in data set one and E through G are in data set two. And then you have to, in the application, know which data set to go look in. Um, so uh, right now we don't um, provide any kind of um, key ranging or sharding in our, in, in our platform, um, but we allow you to have a pretty monstrous file data set um, and is that a good idea? Like, no, from performance, like I say, it's not so good. Also, putting all your eggs in one basket, right? Something happens to that one data set, then you got to restore this giant thing. So, so right now we're sort of expecting the, the user to, you know, divide things up. But in the future, <laughs> uh, I am thinking about having this thing called dynamic key ranging where you actually kind of extend into a new data set, which is sort of like another range of it. And we're sort of doing this all under the covers. And if you erase all the records out of it, we'll reclaim that data set. So it's kind of a, kind of a, I don't know what do you call it, um, space management that includes multiple. It almost sounds like a storage policy type concept. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, do you know, there's, we have another type of file called a, a GDS, Generation Data Set. I don't right, know. yep. So it's kind of like a, a GDS of vSAM files, <laughs> where we're sort of in, extending into a new vSAM file when one range fills up, and then reclaiming that. So we're sort of recycling space between data sets. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it would be sort of this sharding key ranging concept that we're doing under the covers. It just needs a cool piece of artwork and a name with no vowels in it. That's, that's what it needs. <laughs> okay. I'm not very good at the trendy names, as you we'll can tell. We'll put some of the designers on that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what they're yeah. good at. Yeah, that's what they're good at. Well, we're, we're kind of coming at the bottom of the hour here. Uh, I want to spend a, just 
a moment to thank you, Terry, for, for taking your time out of the conference, which we know is very busy, especially for somebody like you, um, to, to come and talk to us. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.